0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond.
2: I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Were you a part of it, Jordan? I, I didn't, like, push it off, but I moved the log with him. I pulled it out. But, but a woman died. Why did you not tell Chris and I this? I freaked out.
0: Almost anyone involved in this case or who's been following it would say that we truly don't know the full story. And I don't know that we ever will.
1: Labor Day, September 2019. Victoria Schaefer, a wife and mother of four, heads out to a local park outside of Columbus, Ohio, to take some senior portraits of area high schoolers.
0: She was an HR for many many years and very successful had a couple of degrees and went on a trip with her husband Fritz when they I'm not sure if it was when they were younger but at some point she just developed a love for photography when they went on a tour In Paris, And she brought that back and she really kind of started this separate business and it was really growing. So on Labor Day, she had plans to go out with six seniors in high school to take photos in Hocking Hill State Park, a very popular area here in Ohio for outdoor activities. And they were specifically in an area of the park that's very popular called Old Man's Cave.
1: Brittany Bailey is a reporter and anchor at 10 News in Columbus.
0: So you can imagine on Labor Day... Beautiful day, lots of folks out there. Also there that day were four teenagers who had just gone to hang out. Two of those teens being 16-year-old Jordan Buckley, 16 year old Jaden churches 19 year old miranda spencer and another underage teenage girl i won't use her name because she's not been charged with with anything and she was the youngest at the time i believe age 14 and they were on a part of the trail they really shouldn't have been on they were on a cliff this is the group of teenagers above old man's cave there are some steps there lots of popular things to see lots of folks down below
1: Down below, Victoria Schaefer is unaware of the teens and the deadly string of events they're putting into place.
0: They dislodged a log that was part of another pile of logs. It was six feet long, 74 pounds, and forced it off the cliff.
1: That log came down on top of Victoria Schaefer.
0: And for a long time, we didn't know exactly the extent of her injuries. We just knew that obviously a log of that size falling off a cliff and landing on her head essentially
1: almost instantly killed her. Her husband would later reveal in court the extent of his wife's injuries.
0: He said that she had a three-inch-wide, 12-inch-long gash on her head. Her spine was broken in two places. Her chest cavity was crushed, and she had several broken ribs. I mean, they were devastating, devastating injuries. And when you think about the fact that this happened in a very popular area with lots of things around, lots of folks around, I should say, and six seniors who were there with her that day very young, had to witness this and I'm sure are scarred for life. Two of them actually had to start running while someone's trying to call 911 to go off and try to find a park ranger. I mean, this is sort of a bit into the wilderness too, so not easy access for folks to come help. Unfortunately, I mean, it was pretty clear very quickly that there was no help for Victoria Schaefer either. She died almost instantly. Her injuries were just awful.
1: So when does the news, when does when this hit the news? Was it that day then you heard about a woman dying? And, and again, maybe it was an accident, but no real understanding of exactly how this happened?
0: Right, that's exactly what happened. So we were reporting it um, as a death at Hawking Hill State Park, a woman was killed and, you know, it was what it was. I don't think it made many waves, unfortunately, um, because I think everyone just assumed it was a terrible accident. The Ohio Department of Natural Resources says a woman died in Hawking Hill State Park. The Chillicothe woman was killed by a falling tree branch yesterday afternoon near Old Man's Cave. This is the third death near the park just this summer. Last month, a hiker fell off a cliff and another person's body was discovered in a remote location at Conkle's Hollow State Nature Preserve in June. And unfortunately, folks, every now and then have died there by slipping or falling. And so we just assumed it was another terrible accident. Even when we heard she had been killed by a falling log, of course, that was slightly more shocking. But I think everyone still assumed that it was a terrible, terrible accident.
1: This log falls from a distance and... I guess at the beginning of this story, I don't know if anyone knows, you said they dislodged this log. Was this on purpose or is that sort of what becomes one of the big questions?
0: It does become one of the very big questions. And frankly, to this day, it's still unanswered. Um, And that's why I use that terminology specifically, because there were various reports of it being kicked, lifted up, shoved off, thrown, tossed.
1: Investigators with the Sheriff's Office and the Ohio Department of Natural Resources start an investigation, searching for the location of where the log had been before falling, what could have caused it to suddenly come down.
0: Went to find out where the log had come from, and they were able to track down that it had been part of this pile that was fairly secure because they could see where the earth had been Um, pressed down because the log had been there prior to. They held all all of these clues showing them exactly where this log had been prior and somehow made it several feet to the edge of the cliff and then over. And they very quickly determined that there was no way it could have been an accident. There have been three deaths this summer at Hocking Hill State Park and now authorities say this most recent one may not have been an accident. They think a group of people could be responsible for the part of a tree that fell on a woman killing her. She had been taking senior portraits of six high school students on Labor Day evening. ODNR says the log didn't fall by quote natural means and it's now asking anyone who may have seen something to give them a call. And then I think everything changed and we thought, oh my goodness, how could this be? And then it was a month, more than a month waiting and no one was coming forward. They were getting tons of tips, but none of them panning out. And I think lots of folks, and some of the family members of Victoria Schaefer later said this too, that there was a time where they felt they might never know who was responsible for doing this because with so many people there that day, and then everyone scattering, and some people are from out of town, some people are local, some people aren't. I mean, it was a holiday, so people from all over were there. So I just think they're probably the investigators even thought that they weren't going to find out who did it.
1: It would later come out, much later, that the four teenagers on the cliff above Victoria Schaefer knew something terrible had happened that day.
0: The four teenagers who were there that day, they definitely had heard about what happened before they left the park. Uh, both of the boys testified to the fact that a man ran by them on the trail and, and had said what had happened, and it was terrible and awful, and they heard the sirens from the ambulances coming, etc. So they were aware that something terrible had happened. And. Testimony showed that when they got back into the vehicle driven by Miranda Spencer that day, they talked about it in the car. And the girls were very upset. So all four teenagers in that vehicle reportedly knew what happened the day it happened.
1: But if anyone knew about the four teenagers in the park that day, the ones who accidentally or purposefully managed to dislodge the log, they weren't talking until over a month later.
0: There are accusations that there were Snapchats exchanged, various types of communication where it was talked about. They were told to stay quiet. They were going to stick to their stories and not say anything. And then it was the girlfriend of one of the boys who either told her mom or her mom somehow found out about a communication between her and one of the boys and learned about what had happened and that they could know something about it, or be responsible. And that mother is the one who called Crime Stoppers.
1: On October 10th, acting on that phone call, investigators go to Logan High School where both boys, Jaden Churchess and Jordan Buckley, went to school together.
0: Jordan Buckley was interviewed first, and he was by himself. They had tried to get in touch with his parents, but couldn't, or they were on their way. Eventually, part of the interview, this was all recorded on technically a body camera, but set up in the room, The They were in a conference room, and they moved to, I believe, the principal's office, some sort of school office there, and they called his mother on the phone.
1: And during that interview at his high school, surrounded by a team of investigators, 16-year-old Jordan Buckley, points the finger at his friend Jaden. I didn't do anything. Like, I wasn't, I just don't
2: like snitching on people. (laughs) That's the
1: problem. This this is the time. I This is not
2: about snitching. Jaden kicked off a branch. Not a branch. It was a log. It was a big log, like this wide, this long, and he kicked it, and it rolled off to the cliff, and it made a loud bang, so we ran. And I hope, Jaden, when you guys tell him that you have proof that he takes full blame for it, because I I, I did not do it, and he knows I didn't do it.
1: 16-year-old Jaden is interviewed next.
0: And Jaden Churches was there with his guardian, who's technically his grandmother. I'm told he sometimes calls her mom, sometimes grandma, but he has basically been raised by her. She was in the room with him the entire time.
1: And like his friend, Jaden points the finger back at Jordan.
2: He got kicked off the edge. Who kicked it. Jordan? Jordan kicked it? Yes.
0: Jaden accused Jordan of doing it. Jordan accused Jaden of kicking it off. And, you know, Jordan went so far as to say, well, I touched it and I picked it up, but I didn't do it. I didn't know he was going to kick it. Jaden was much more tight-lipped during his interview, but also said he had nothing to do with it. He didn't do it. He didn't touch it. It wasn't him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at the video of these interviews and, you know, you've got a a room of Investigators, maybe three, four, five—you know—adults sitting there with one high school kid, and you know, you know, you're struck by the fact that they can just point the finger at the other one and presumably not tell the full story.
0: I think I think it was Jordan who said something like, "I don't know why I'm here." Um, I mean, they were sticking to their not saying anything stories for sure until they sort of kept getting more dragged out of them by the investigators. But again, it truly could have been only one of them. You know, and they both admitted that they didn't want to tell at first because they didn't want to get in trouble.
1: Following that interview, Jaden is taken into custody at the school. Meanwhile, Jordan, who left the interview for a doctor's appointment, agrees to meet up with investigators for walkthrough of the crime scene at the park.
0: He and his parents met back up at the park with investigators, did a walkthrough there, told them what had happened, and then he was arrested.
1: Both Jaden and Jordan appear in court the next day, October 11th, as juveniles.
0: And then the case sort of moved from there into adult court and back, and it took a up and down winding road from there.
1: Recently, uh, there have been sentencings for both of these young men. Is that right?
0: Yes. And th- this court case was quite interesting. So, of course, they were both 16 at the time of the crime. They started out in juvenile court, and then they it was later determined that the they would be tried as adults. And I should also point out, they had very serious charges filed against them initially. Murder, reckless homicide, and involuntary manslaughter.
1: Serious charges in adult court. But after more hearings, more motions, and more filings, Jordan and Jaden are able to reach plea agreements. Plea agreements that, as we'll learn, would never have been possible without the acceptance and forgiveness of Victoria Schaefer's family.
0: And those plea agreements were essentially exactly the same in that they, it, in order to for to have them plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter, the other charges of murder and reckless homicide would be dropped, and their cases would be moved back to juvenile court for sentencing. And that's a very important point here because their cases again were in adult court with very serious felony charges, so they would be serving time in adult prison at that point. They were seventeen um, during these plea agreements and their final sentencing, so to call this a second chance is absolutely the case here because now they're serving three years in juvenile detention. And that was part of this plea agreement. So as everyone involved says, they will get a second chance to live a better life because serving time in juvenile detention is nothing compared to going to adult prison, which especially at such a young age would be devastating um, as far as the impact that it would have on them. And I, I say that not to all minimize the crime, but I say that because that is what really mattered to the family. And these plea agreements would never have happened without Victoria Schaefer's families agreeing to this.
1: In October, seven people spoke in court at the separate sentencing hearings for Jaden and Jordan, meaning they would have to testify twice about their loss and their anger and their pain. They included Victoria's husband Fritz, Victoria's father, her sister, and her oldest daughter, and three of the teenage girls who were there at the park on that awful Labor Day of 2019.
0: And they were very, very powerful speeches. And they all talked about how they really hope that the boys do what they say, because the boys also have spoken in court briefly and will turn their lives around and be better people and realize that they have been given a true second chance, one that Victoria Schaefer will never get, which the judge, by the way, pointed out. He had sort of a strong message for the boys. You know, you are here because of her because of what her family knows she would have wanted. She would not have wanted to see two other young lives ruined because of their terrible actions.
1: So, Victoria doesn't get that second chance that you're getting. Do you understand that? Yes, Your Honor. And do you understand it's the forgiveness of the family is the reason you're getting that second chance?
2: Yes, Your Honor.
0: Whatever I say today is not gonna come close describing how painful this has been. My children are very compassionate, and Victoria was very compassionate and we asked ourselves, what would mom do? What would Victoria want? And we all kind of came to the same conclusion that she would want to give these kids a chance. One of the most touching moments was when he talked about their last night together. Uh, They were in bed and he said, Victoria turned to him and said, this is my favorite time of the day is ending up in your arms at night. And fritz said he felt he knew in that moment he loved her more than he ever had um and just oh there were tears in the courtroom for sure
1: you know i'm struck by this family and the ability to forgive this crime again not knowing the full story uh but knowing that these these two teenagers are responsible for the death of their mother wife uh, it's just so painful, but they are able to speak quite eloquently about giving these two young men a, a second chance.
0: I, I was am- amazed by their speeches in court. They were powerful. They were touching. They were introspective. They were um, compassionate to the boys, and never. I just was absolutely struck by every single person who spoke. They are a wonderful family. It's very clear. You took away my daughter, who is a loving, talented, outstanding member of our family. She won't be singing me happy birthday anymore. She won't be calling me on Mother's Day. She won't be there when I draw my last breath. But the fact that they can speak so clearly about what she meant and what kind of a wonderful human being she was and how much they miss her and still, in the same breath, give that forgiveness to the teenage boys was just
1: remarkable. If you're listening to this as a parent, and maybe you've got some teenage boys, and everybody knows that teenage boys can do stupid things, if that's what this was. You know, I, I remember being young and going on hikes and hearing, you know, don't you don't kick rocks off, you know, a, a trail that might go down below. You listen to this, and I think those thoughts go through your mind as a parent thinking about the dumb stuff that someone can do if that's what this was, and consequences and it just it's such a this is this this story is so layered in so many ways that's one aspect of it that i think hits for people who, who have heard about this
0: it does and you know it's very complicated too because i don't think anyone thinks that they went out that day to kill someone uh, that was they were not on a mission to go find a log to push off a cliff and kill someone right however they took very irresponsible actions. A lot of people point out that, again, because it was so busy, they likely heard voices. They, sh- they, they saw people on the trails. They admitted the parking lot was packed. But again, their teenage boy minds may not have been thinking big picture. Even if they're answering these questions later, were they thinking about that at the time this happened? I mean, we'll never know the answer to that question. But a lot of people were upset about this because they feel the boys should have known that their actions could have led to dire consequences.
1: Perhaps making the family's forgiveness even more incredible were some of the stories and accusations that came out during testimony in the year following Victoria Schaefer's death.
0: A lot of people were frustrated by how long they kept quiet, the fact that they were accused of bragging about it in a certain sense. One of the things that Jaden is accused of saying, even in the car the day it happened, as they were leaving, was, I caught a body at 16. Now, was he saying something completely outlandish and inappropriate because he was trying to impress the girls they were with? one can never know. But when we later heard about some of those comments, the bragging, the sending pictures back and forth, uh, talking about this and not telling, knowing full well at that point that a woman who had died, that's what got people upset. And of course, you can't, that has nothing to do with your court case. I mean, you either had you, you did the crime or you didn't. The other factors don't matter. But as far as perception of what happened, I think that had a lot of people upset. They were not thinking that these boys were upstanding citizens, so to speak.
1: How has this resonated in the community they're, they're sentencing to juvenile?
0: I So I see a lot of the social media comments and and people reacting to this. And I even had people texting me after the sentences were announced and saying that they felt like they got a slap on the wrist. And I I certainly can see how people will feel that way. But I do think that when people dig a little bit further and they look into what was said in court, how the family felt about it and what led to this decision, they then understand it a bit more. I think once people hear that the family was supportive of this and that's really why this happened and likely would not have happened this way without the family supporting it, then I, I think people understand it a bit more, but certainly there is a level of outrage feeling like they really got off the hook
1: here. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson here with Spencer Brudig and Reed Redmond. So guys, what do you think? I mean, this case is a little different from pretty much any of the other ones we've covered on the show. but uh, you know, has some interesting themes of forgiveness and and a real tragedy that ends with
2: forgiveness. I somewhat understand that, you know, you're out in wilderness, you're messing around with your friend. Um, if they were, you know, just just messing around. Uh, I mean, I grew up in kind of a rural area and we would go out and we would, um, you know, uh, we didn't do that, but we would do stupid stuff and, you know, throw rocks uh, into water from high distances. But unfortunately this had uh, very real and very tragic and very adult consequences where uh, someone uh, was like really Brutally killed because of you know them messing around, uh, and and then for the family to be uh, so forgiving and to um, allow this plea deal to occur that you know doesn't really, I mean three years is still three years, but it's not you know adult prison. Uh, it's it's uh, pretty incredible they they were able to forgive in that way.
1: You know, I, I and we we talk about that in the sh- in the episode a little bit, just the the bad decisions that we make as, as you know when we're young and there are stories you know I've heard I've heard other stories about people you know hiking who got you know a rock came down because somebody kicked a rock and something terrible happens and you know in this case I think the thing that sort of starts to get you thinking in another direction is is the bragging and some of the alleged and reported conversations that were going on in the time period that they, you know, w- were not arrested, you know, before they were arrested. And, you know, whether there was a certain amount of bravado about this horrible, horrible thing, you know, that happened. Um, so I think, you know, you kind of start to feel a little differently about the whole situation.
2: Right. That's a good point. I mean, it's it's like uh – it would be one thing if they made this decision and then they took responsibility and they felt horrible. But yeah, if if there was just that lack of remorse, yeah, it totally changes uh, your opinion of, uh, of the entire situation.
1: And Spencer, you brought up those plea agreements, but one of the interesting things with this case is that even with the plea agreements, we still don't know Assuming only one of these boys pushed the log off the cliff, we still don't know which one did it, right, Will? Right, Uh, and we may and probably will never know, you know, and whether, you know, what the actual plan or idea was, as far as I know, has never come to light. You know, no one said this is exactly what happened. They've made a plea agreement, uh, again, with the acceptance and guidance and forgiveness of the family. But it is interesting that no one's, you know, sort of completely said this is, you know, this is this is what happened. I feel like, and I certainly feel like the family would would still want to know that. You know, I'm sure they would. But at the end of the day, they've lost, you know, a mother. They've lost, you know, his wife, a daughter. Um, in a way that it's like these kind of things, you know, we cover a lot of crime stories where, yeah, most crime is pretty darn random. This one just feels so senseless, you know, that, that you're—
2: out in the in a, in a park in nature, enjoying the day and and celebrating celebrating you know these senior students and taking you know beautiful nature shots. It's just awful.
1: Yeah, I remember you know the day I got my senior portraits taken it was such a, a fun memory for these kids to have have that turn into witnessing this brutal homicide. That's such a traumatic thing to have to go through as a high school student. Yeah, and uh, one one note we do cover you know the plea agreement and. That testimony and and the hearings, some of the hearings involved. But uh, you know, we mentioned there were four teenagers. One of the uh, girls involved uh, has been charged with obstruction, and then the fourth teenager, uh, as we mentioned, is is not named and does not face charges. All right. So, if anyone would like to. Talk more about this story or any of the stories we cover here on True Crime Chronicles. Spencer, where can they go? I'm
2: going to keep this nice and short because you've all heard it before, but we have a really cool um, group of people on Facebook. The group is called Inside the Crime Vault. It's a fantastic place to discuss this case and others like it with like-minded true crime fans.
1: All right. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redman and Spencer Brudig. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.